on the show today, we have a very special guest. His name is Chip Fisher, and he'll be joining us from New York. And uh, he's a chairman at Fisher Wallace Laboratories. He's actually invented the, uh, a cranial electrotherapy stimulation device, and it's used to uh, treat people with PTSD, bipolar, and depression. Stay tuned. Hi, Chip. How are you? Welcome to the show. Thanks, Evan. It's great to be here. Um, how, how's New York? How's the weather out there? Um, it's really hot. It's about it 92 really? degrees here. Yeah, it's like they just broke a record today. So, um, you know, I walked around the reservoir a couple of times just to get some exercise, but felt it felt like the middle of August. <laughs> so not great. But but it's going to rain a little bit. So we'll oh, be cool. A little bit of I know it doesn't, it doesn't happen that often in Los Angeles. So let me let me go straight into the questions here. What is uh, the Fisher Wallace stimulator? Sure. Well, the Fisher Wallace stimulator is a medical device, FDA medical device, which treats depression, anxiety, and insomnia. It's actually been on the market um, under a different name, brand name, for before 2006. Um, it was invented by two NASA MIT guys, both who were electrical engineers, and they worked with a team of doctors to basically come up with a non-pharmacological method of treating depression, anxiety, and insomnia. Um, our device category is called cranial electrotherapy stimulation. It's also referred to in literature in peer studies as TACS or transcranial alternating current stimulation. You'll also see uh, the phrase TDCS used, which is the direct current version, which does not have any commercial application at this point, um, but the TA TACS has. And so... Um, our device and a couple of others on the market, ours is the leading device, and it's the only one that works transcranially. Um, there are others that use ear clips and patches and things like that, but they really aren't um, reaching deeply into the brain the way ours is. So ours has been in the market since 1991. It basically uses a very mild form of alternating current to stimulate key neurotransmitters like serotonin. How does it do that? Sure. Well, basically, um, so... Uh, just to show you the device very simply, because its visuals are always great, um, this is the base unit. It basically runs on two AA batteries. Very simple. We make these in New Jersey. They're domestically made um, in a, in a, in a, uh, a medical-grade plant. Um, there are two wires that come uh, with sponge applicators. You can see here they're wet. And you basically wear them here and here with a headband. Uh, and you wear that 20 minutes uh, once or twice a day for um, – 30 days and then is needed after that. Um, but the effects happen pretty quickly. We have about a 75 to 80% success rate in one of the indications that we treat, which, which are depression, anxiety, and insomnia. We've also had success in treating different forms of chronic pain, including fibromyalgia. This will suppress migraines because it um, decreases blood flow by about 46% in the brain during a 20-minute period. Um, and you can also use it on your body for... Um, different forms of chronic pain, basically knee and elbow, back pain. Uh, we've also treated gout. It will break up the sugar crystals in someone's foot. Uh, and it can so be is, is it kind of like a magnet or, or a resonance? Or how does it work? No, there are no, no magnets. It's actually electrotherapy. So okay. it's a very mild form. If you're familiar with electroconvulsive therapy, it works on the same principles. That's also using the alternating current. The problem with electroconvulsive therapy is that it's 800 to 1,000 milliamps. It's very strong. Uh, isn't that what they used to use uh, in the old days for people who had like schizophrenia? 
Yes, and they still do, and it, it does work well. But the problem is that you risk see you have seizures. You have to be under anesthesia. You risk memory loss. There are all sorts of side effects with ECT because it's very powerful. We've harnessed the best aspects of that in a home use device. This is only one to four milliamps. So if you see the gradations here, uh, you'll see numbers one through four. And we start people usually on uh, the second level. We found that, that that's the best one to, to start with. And, you know, depending on the strength of your symptoms, you can use it on a higher level. It's perfectly safe. This can, is way Can below. you sleep with it, by the way? Um, yeah, but, I mean, you wouldn't. You can help. It, it helps you go to sleep. Um, you can actually use it um, uh, to go to sleep. But, and, and sometimes I'll use it while I'm going to sleep, and it will actually put me to sleep. And then the good thing is that it turns off after 20 minutes, so you don't oh, have it on that's cool. all night. I mean, if you if you used it for an hour, you you know you might get a headache because that's a lot. But you know, a 20 minute session is is very mild, uh, and you could even double up. Um, but we recommend using it once or twice a day for 30 days, and then uh, as needed after that. So it's basically using uh, we we use very specific wave waveforms. It's called a bipolar square waveform. So basically, what you're doing is you're you're stimulating neuronal activity, and then there's an off period, and then you're stimulating off period, and by stimulating activity and then having a an equivalent reaction period, your body is responding to the electrotherapy. And basically, uh, uh, is it's allowing it to adjust to, and actually benefit from that level of stimulation. That's in sharp contrast to direct current stimulation, where you basically have a flat line. You stimulate for let's say twenty minute periods, all the same, and then the body reacts at the end. On this, there's more of a building block effect. We also use three very uh, uh, functional um, and patented, also patented frequencies. One is in the range of 15,000 hertz, which is a carrier frequency, which basically helps us pierce the skull and bone matter. 500 is a modulating frequency, which basically cuts the physiological effect in half. And the body's influence I mean, between what, zero and What does that mean in layman's terms? Sure. Well, I mean, a carrier frequency, basically, there are just, there are different um, wavelengths. Okay. Uh, some are higher, some are lower. And the, the important one is, in our case, was to capture the lowest frequency, which is around 15 hertz, to figure out the number that would actually stimulate the greatest number of neurotransmitters. And it also correspondingly lowers cortisol, which is the stress hormone. Huh. Very interesting. Basically, yeah. So you're, you're, it's a side benefit, but it, it is a very important one. And has this device, so, uh, has, has this device been tested? Like in uh, trials. I'm sorry. Yes, we 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 have we published on bipolar depression a number of year, a couple of years ago at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York, which is the first time anyone has shown a device to work on bipolar depression. We've also uh, we also did a 400 patient study on on um, recovering drug addicts in treating their anxiety and insomnia during detox, and with only five treatments, we were able to increase the retention in a residential treatment program by 50 percent as measured after 90 days. So it's the, the device works quickly when it works and is quite profound. That's, in, that's in impressive, of, honestly. Um, thank you. I know it's, you know, it's hard to believe these numbers, except that we have studies that show that they're true. And, you know, the body is full of water. We're, we're electrical beings. And so if you hit it right, you know, you're, you're doing the same things that drugs are doing, but without the side effects. 
and there are fewer there, there are no long-term issues we've had people on this for 30 or 40 years it's it's such a mild form of therapy that um you know we haven't seen any long-term um, side effects which is great in contrast to drugs we, about half our business is actually titrating people off of key um sleeping medications because sleeping medications are very addictive they're very hard to get off of and they have enormous side effects <clears throat> they tend to treat um they tend to stimulate deep sleep but correspondingly they actually suppress REM sleep and if you don't have REM sleep rapid eye movement sleep then you're not going to have a restful night's sleep but this this does both so do you think this is a good uh, a good alternative for people to use instead of using uh, harmful medications very much so yeah and i think there are more and more people i mean it was just a big report today about the dangers of benzodiazepines there have been others about sleeping medications over the course of many years, uh, you know, people getting into their cars, driving off in the middle of the night, having, you know, eating everything in their refrigerators. I mean, there are really bad side effects to many of these drugs. And of course, those side effects are suppressed. Um, I took so many, I came to this because I took a number of any That's what I wanted to ask you about that, Chip. I mean, sure. um, what's your origin story? How did you come up with uh, this idea? Sure. Well, I didn't invent it, actually, because it was invented by two, two um, MIT guys. But um, I met my first partner, Martin Wallace, uh, who, who's no longer alive, but uh, started the company with me. And he basically knew the founders, both of whom were um, very knowledgeable about this and had worked with a team of doctors to really uh, come up with and understand these principles. They understood the principles that were very sound about doing a mild form of electrotherapy. It was a matter of finding the right frequencies. This is, but these, these principles have been around for a long time. And the most successful aspect of it actually war, was, you know, until, let's say, the late 80s, uh, electroconvulsive therapy. But it's obviously too invasive and too difficult to administer. Um, and only 100,000 people in the country get it a year, which is a very small number when you consider we have 350 million people in this country. And 30% of them suffer from one of the three symptoms that we treat. So the market is massive, and it's really just a matter of time before people adopt to using these as opposed to drugs. But, but this was invented and came of age during the early period of heavy drug marketing uh, of, of uh, Prozac and Wellbutrin and a whole bunch of other drugs. So it was very difficult to compete against the pharmaceutical industry um, at the time. It's less so now because a lot of people are really discovering on their own through um, going on the Internet and understanding our story and reading the story on, you know, as we describe it and then seeing the studies and the evidence and the people that we have on our medical advisory board, are some very substantial people. We have Meyer Krager, who's uh, the head of uh, the sleep department at Yale, um, who is basically the first person to diagnose sleep apnea in 1971. Um, we have a retired one star who was head of, you know, a good, about a third of the medical division, one of the medical divisions of the uh, U.S. Army. So we, we, and these people are not compensated. They all are, and the founder of Phoenix House, who um, is the large, which is the largest drug treatment company in the country. And these are people of great substance who really like what we're doing and have worked with us to help get the word out. Okay, and so, I mean, have you ever tried uh, uh, any of these antidepressant medications for your personal use? I did, yes. I really, I started on Prozac and I used Paxil and Wellbutrin and all of them had severe side effects for me. I couldn't stay on any of them for more than a week or two. I found that they, all of them changed my personality dramatically. And I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to speak ill of pharma. It's just, they didn't work for me and I, and then I didn't have a solution and I came across this 
and this was profound in its its um, in its uh, effect for me. I don't want to be the poster boy for my own product, but on a personal level, when I was first investigating the company, I was very much a customer, and so uh, I was very impressed with its results. And a number of my friends who were seeking treatment uh, used it as well, just you know, to give me candid um, to give me candid um, um, feedback. It'd be great to have someone like uh, Jordan Peterson, who's recently uh, been admitted to rehab for clonopin, uh, to try something like this. It would make a lot of sense. It is very difficult to tritrate off these drugs. They're they're profoundly strong and very addictive. It's very difficult, and even even when people are are working with someone to tritrate so, slowly off many of these drugs, it's very very challenging. But we have we've actually in, we we do have peer evidence on treating both drug and alcohol addiction. So you know we have been able to help. How about schizophrenia? I'm curious. Well, schizophrenia, uh, we we started to do a study, but the problem is it's very difficult to um, screen for it because there are so many different types of it, and so doing a peer study in a particular range is is challenging. Having said that. The symptoms are very closely aligned with or similar to those found in bipolar patients. So we feel that this has enormous promise for schizophrenic patients. Uh, Again, we can't make medical claims until we have a peer study. But because we were so successful in treating bipolar 2, non-manic bipolar depression, we feel that that the potential is, is enormous. And it's really, again, just a matter of time and money. And what about personality disorders? Is that like a, a different realm that, that's not affected by this? It's a similar realm, but... Oh, is it really? Yeah. I mean, it is, it's all connected. Again, it would be a stretch to say that it has an effect on, on, on um, borderline personality disorder. But certainly, in, in many cases, we've had patients who've had severe symptoms in one of these sort of in, in, in that range and have had success with it. We don't really keep track quite as assiduously as we might with um, people who are using it, uh, let's say, on their own, sort of off-label, if it's something that's related but not something that we specifically treat. But it is uh, um, borderline personality disorder is within sort of the depression range of sorts. So, um, so again, with all of these things, there is promise. Um, but it's just, uh, you know, and for example, I mean, with addiction, you know, we've had people use this for, for, um, smoking cessation. And we feel that there might vary because it's nicotine that there might be a huge potential here for treating vaping, which is an enormous scourge, uh, which is now just coming to the fore. And there's so many people who want to stop because they now realize how dangerous it is. Yeah, I heard a lot of bad stories about uh, vaping. Uh, the company Juul, I think, was uh, ordered to stop selling them, right? Well, I think they were just ordered to stop selling the flavored, the, the, the products that appeal. Right, because it attracts kids. Right. It's beyond me how they can't, they have to now prove that something's bad, even though they know it's bad, the CDC does, in order to take something off the market that really is essentially a public health risk. Uh, and right. Anytime you're taking something into your lungs uh, like that, it's a, it's a carcinogen, uh, even if it's weed, unfortunately, for pe- some people out there that might be. That's right. No, and, and weed is there's a great book out now uh, called uh, Tell Your Children the Truth About Marijuana. It's a Times author. It's a fantastic book about it's uh, about causing both psychosis and schizophrenia. And these are, you know, there's pure evidence on this. This is not 
he did he really did his homework and um a lot of the problem is now marijuana i'm 63 so the marijuana that was around when i was in high school had probably one to two percent thc not very strong by the way did you ever smoke a joint i did i inhaled as well okay (laughs) but i actually stopped I smoked it for a little while in 10th grade, and then a friend of mine who actually was a dealer, who is now a minister in California with sick children, so he's, you know, gone clean. But he, um, you know, was a very low-level dealer, but he basically bought something for someone that he had not had any experience with. And one Friday night, we sat around, as we usually did on every every other Friday night, and we smoked this and I was high for two days. And as it turned out, uh, because we had this analyzed later on, we had some left, that, that, that what we were smoking was laced with ketamine, which is a horse tranquilizer. And, That's horrible. Yeah, it was dreadful. And I was high for two days. And I never touched anything after that. I, I really I'm just, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not a teetotaler. I, I do have a glass of wine or beer once in a while. But I really, I'm so happy that that happened to me. Because ranges of experience when you have these gateway drugs is so much greater and so much more dangerous than most people think. And so people who have children who think that it's just, ah, it's okay, you know, they're just smoking weed. It's not okay. Unfortunately, this stuff is so strong and you don't know where it's coming from and you don't know what it's being laced with. It's just, that's, that's the deal. So, and now cocaine has a lot of fentanyl in it. Uh, in, in many states, and uh, but the states that have legalized marijuana without any form, without a, a um, uh, cons- considering a decent level of education about the dangers, have had explosions in violent crime, in domestic violence, car crashes, kids eating gummy bears, all sorts of things, Colorado especially. And, and these, these health costs have almost uniquely, in every case, um, outweighed the taxation benefits of legalizing marijuana. I do feel that it should be decriminalized. It's not a good idea to lock people up for small amounts of marijuana. That's not a good idea. I agree with you there. Without, if you don't educate people on the dangers of a drug, like anything else, whether it's drinking or cigarettes or something like that, the lobbyists have prevented this from happening. And it's really bad. And we're going to wake up one day and people are going to be in big trouble. And Jewel was able to go out and, you know, talk to high schoolers and tell them it was perfectly safe. They knew damn well it wasn't safe or they didn't they couldn't prove that it was safe. And the penetration level of vapor, of vaping is much greater. It goes all the way to the capillary levels of the lungs. And I had read some pure studies a year ago saying that this, there was going to be an epidemic coming. A lot of this research was being done in England, not here. And so I sensed that I sensed trouble a long time ago, as did a lot of other people in our industry. But the, the problem is that clearly it's better than smoking, but you know, it's sort of like saying, I'm going to hit myself on the toe with a hammer as opposed to on my head. The likelihood is I won't. Then I won't get brain injury. Right. It's just a different it's type of a, injury. It's not it, exactly. And so you're not trading one bad thing for a good thing. You're trading it for something that's bad in other ways. And but this whole thing with lung collapse and causing pneumonia-like symptoms is really horrific. It, it is. It is very horrific. And I know with marijuana too. I've also read studies where people can also uh, get heart attacks. Yes. 
that's possible too. Um, it depends on the strength of the pot. Some of the some of the weed that's out there has a strength of anywhere between 25 and as high as, on average, it's about 25% THC in many cases, and it can be as high as 50%, which is just brutal. Now, how much is the device, and can and someone use insurance to purchase it through their doctor? Sure. Well, these retail for six ninety nine. And um, uh, many insurance companies do cover them. It just depends on the insurance company. I know United and Anthem do cover it, but not wholly. And um, we have been working with a number of insurance companies to see if they will extend coverage. Uh, but we believe that over time it will. If you're in Maine, it's free. Um, they're, uh, it's covered by Medicaid. So um, if you are a Maine care patient, you can, um, you can get it for free. Okay, okay. And... Are there any other questions or answers that you would like to give me that I didn't ask? Well, I think, uh, thank you, and thank you for having me on the show. I think people should really dig deeply and, and look at some, you know, look at technologies like this. There are also, I think what's happening now, which is a little bit scary, is that uh, some people, while people really understand what we're doing and are adopting new wearables and we sell tens of thousands of these a year. Um, a lot of people are now starting to look at apps as a solution, you know, healthcare apps, which is, which are good, but they really don't solve the problem. And I would urge people while, you know, while you want to track some things and use some of the apps that are out there to maybe understand, you know, when you're feeling bad and, uh, you want to, um, kind of, uh, you know, explore one of these applications, it can, they can be helpful, but those are not true solutions. They're really not, they're not stimulating key neurotransmitters nor lowering cortisol, which are the things that you really have to do in order to affect change. That's also, what I'm really interested in, the lowering of cortisol. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, all of us, you know, experience stress at some level and the world is a stressful place and it's becoming more so. I mean, just in terms of technology, how it's driving the economy and, people's work pace and, and the way they live their lives and the way they connect, communicate, especially millennials on up. And it's really, um, it's a little scary. And so you have to really be aware of that and aware of, you know, things that will make you happy that will generate, um, you know, something nice during your day and sort of, and deal with these problems. But, uh, but the, many of the healthcare apps are good, but they really are not, focused on solving the problem the way technology like ours does. Now, for someone who, who doesn't suffer from uh, any of these mental disorders or personality issues, can they still benefit from using this device? Absolutely. Because everybody is a little bit off and it, 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 it you know, no one has a perfect scenario. It's, you know, you, everybody has stressful days and this just helps people relax and, and sleep particularly. Sleep has been really the most effective thing because of screen screen time, first of all, um, you know, people staying up later. In 1900, 100 years ago, 1920, um, the average person in this country got nine hours of sleep, average adult, which is an extraordinary number. Um, you know, people went to bed when it was dark and they didn't wake up until dawn. They would go to bed, you know, electricity was expensive. A lot of people didn't even have it and they wanted to save money. And they would go to bed when the sun went down. And if that was nine o'clock in the summer, then they would get up at six. So they would really sleep through the night. And sometimes people would get up 
Um, but but then they would go back to bed. So they got a lot more sleep than, than, than people do now. And, and an adult should get a minimum of seven hours of sleep. I shoot for eight, kind of hard, but let's say I get seven and a half. That's still great. Um, I, I, I cannot survive on six. And that's true. Really? People of all ages. Everybody says, you know, when you get older, you don't need a lot of sleep. That's not true. Um, <laughs> you, you should be sleeping at every stage of your life. Well, according to Elon Musk, he only gets three hours of sleep. There are people who have perfect sleep architecture who seem to just function, can function on very little sleep. But I don't believe that that's healthy. And in, 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 most, in most cases, there are people who can do that. Three hours is not a lot of sleep. Where can people find more information about the, uh, the Fisher-Wallace stimulator? Um, on our website, which is fisherwallace.com. And we also have an over-the-counter version of the device, uh, which is the same device, but you can get it on Amazon, which is uh, circadia.info. So if you don't want to get a healthcare permission, you can order the same device um, on Amazon, and it's circadia.info. Thank you very much for being on the show. It's my pleasure. It was great to speak to you. Thank you for the intuitive questions, and I hope this has been helpful to your listeners. 